0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Just the Good Stuff. I am your host, Rachel Mansfield. And happy 2020, you guys. I can't believe it is the start of a fresh new decade. I hope everyone enjoyed themselves this holiday season and got some quality family time, friend time, some alone time, anything that you were craving. And speaking of craving... I will still be making those almond flour chocolate chip cookies pretty much all year because I have not stopped. I think that I've baked them probably close to 10 times at this point. They are like, they have this doughy consistency and the melted chocolate chips. Oh my God, so good. But we are not here to talk about chocolate chip cookies. We are here today to chat with my very good friend, Sam Eckstein. He is the co-founder of the well-known fast casual restaurant here in Manhattan, Springbone. Springbone is, as you guys know, my go-to all the time. Jordan and I eat there, I can say probably about five to six times a month, I love their grass-fed, grass-finished beef burger, their bone broth. Everything they make is absolutely delicious. They serve all organic food. They don't cook with any heavily processed oils. They don't use canola oil. You can trust the food that they're serving you, which is not something we could say about many restaurants. And that is why I love being able to place an order at Springbone and know that it's going to be good quality. It's going to be the food that I would be cooking in my home I don't have to do the cooking that night, which is always, always a plus. Sam is super knowledgeable about sustainable meat practices and bone broth and making bone broth, and you'll soon hear why I don't really make bone broth that often. It is quite the process, but I hope you love today's episode. I can't wait to hear what you think. And don't forget that Just the Good Stuff is coming out February 25th, and the book tour is going to be announced any day now. I cannot wait to meet some of you guys. And spoiler alert, Springbone is going to be having a broth bar at Just the Good Stuff's launch party here in New York City on February 25th. So you guys won't want to miss that. You'll probably be taking shots of liquid gold with Jordan because that is his absolute favorite. So I'm sure we'll be serving that. All right. Hope you guys enjoy this episode and we will talk soon. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Just the Good Stuff. I am sitting here again in my bedroom, but this time with a friend that I cannot wait for you guys to hear from. His name is Sam. Well, actually, you don't know this, but I call you Springbone Sam to everyone when I talk about you, which probably isn't the most creative or original nickname. But anytime I refer to you, I call you Springbone Sam. But anyways, you guys, if you follow me over on Instagram, you likely know that I don't go into the city and come home without at least food from Springbone or Bone Broth. And I have the co-founder sitting here today to talk about, talk about everything Springbone related with you guys, but not only just about the amazing business that they've built over the last few years, but also about the importance of the different oils that we cook with the sustainable meat, which I cannot wait to talk to you about because I think you are so knowledgeable about this and also just why you opened this restaurant and where we're going to go from here. So, oh, and obviously all things bone broth. So I will let you take it away, but introduce yourself and say hello to everyone.
1: Yeah, it's so, so exciting to be here. Um, not my first time in this apartment because I've had the pleasure of delivering Meals and bone I broth forgot. to you personally. went right Ezra after was Ezra born. was born. Yeah. But it's great to spend some time here. Yeah, I started Springbone uh, with my partner, Jordan. Uh, we opened three and a half years ago in Greenwich Village.
0: I can't believe it's already been three and a
1: half years. Yeah. But we've been working on this for five years. Um, as you may know, getting a restaurant in New York City open takes some advanced planning. So we've been working on this for five years. Before that, I had a career in finance. I was working uh originally in investment banking and then in private equity in the consumer space so i was doing cpg investing mostly in food so in right before we started spring i was actually involved in the acquisition of a very large dessert company that was not uh would not have met your criteria
0: can you say who it was
1: yeah the company uh was called the original, is called the original Cakery. It's a Canadian based dessert company that actually, usually, you wouldn't see their brand. They provide the cakes to like supermarkets all over North America. So, the, those unbranded dessert cakes, like birthday cakes and layer cakes that you would think were made in the supermarket, were actually made at their factory in outside Toronto or Vancouver.
0: Mm. Nothing like a locally made cake from the grocery exactly, store.
1: Exactly. So, you know, I spent a lot of time looking at the food world um, and personally growing up in and around New York City, I was very, very passionate about restaurants. Um, I remember the first cookbook I ever had was the Balthazar cookbook and I was making steak frites and braised short ribs and all How sorts of- How old
0: were you when you were cooking?
1: That was like ninth grade of high school.
0: You were making all these fancy things yeah, in high I, school. The
1: first the first thing I ever made like on my own was braised red wine reduction braised short ribs.
0: Could you even purchase <laughs> the wine to make that? We,
1: we had some kosher wine in the house.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. And you were living, you grew up in Anglewood. I was living in Englewood,
1: New Jersey, and I was commuting into Manhattan for high school. Uh, so like, I think I skipped... Class one day, and I went to the Cooper Youth Museum, which is what cool New York City kids do when they skip school—they go to a museum on the Upper East Side.
0: What school did you go to?
1: I went to Ramaz. It's like okay. a Jewish Orthodox um, school. How did you
0: get? I'm fascinated that you—I didn't know this—you lived in New yeah, Jersey, and there was computed. a
1: lot of us. There was actually a school bus. We filled the school bus heading from awesome. Englewood. Into the city.
0: Now, did Jordan your like yep. business partner? Did he commute with you? You guys did yep. this together.
1: We were neighbors um, and classmates from first grade through twelfth grade.
0: That is wild. I um, know we
1: went that. to the, the exact same school for elementary school, middle school, high school, and we were neighbors. And so
0: he's your third brother.
1: Yeah, he's my third brother. Yeah, third to say.
0: So where? And then where did you go to call it Johns Hopkins? And I
1: went to Johns Hopkins. So anyway. Tangent, but grew up loving cooking, loving restaurants. That was like probably, you know, when I tell people why I loved commuting and going to high school in New York, it was because I got that early exposure to the restaurant world and the food world. So I was, you know, not ashamed to say I was a foodie. Um, And then fast forward, I'm working in finance. Jordan's working in real estate. We're both doing these corporate jobs where maybe we have the money to go out to eat but we definitely don't have the time. So what we end up doing is having three meals a day at our desk. So very familiar with the fast, casual, quick service landscape in Manhattan. But the other thing that we became passionate about, both me and Jordan, was uh, nutrition, wellness. Specifically, we got into it through the paleo angle originally. And that was about eight to 10 years ago. So pretty early um, before like paleo really blew up. Um, I know that what was one, like was. you could probably get a booth at Expo West for like close to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so we started asking questions like, is the meat grass fed? What oil was that cooked in? And the answers we were getting were a hundred percent of the time disappointing. Um, and we were stuck. We didn't have the time, even though I love cooking, we definitely didn't have the time to cook. And even though. You know, we may have been able to go out to a good restaurant budget wise. We didn't have the time to. So, Monday through Friday, I was eating a quick service dinner that I knew the food was cooked in corn oil, soybean oil, canola oil, et cetera. And I was really unhappy about it. And I was just like, why can't someone just
0: Just make you a home cooked meal?
1: Just don't douse this in olive oil, essentially, home cooked meal. So, this was the kernel of the idea for Springbone. Let's combine all those things. Let's combine. Our love of good food, great cooking, um, our insight into nutrition and sort of simple ancestral wisdom that, like, to our grandparents was so obvious, right? Just don't use in- yeah. industrially produced food products. Um, and let's do this all in a way that people like us who are at their desks, um, usually when it's lunch and dinner time, can afford the time and budget to get that those foods
0: well that's what's pretty insane is that the business concept of Springbone is so simple and basic and like i don't mean basic as in like basic it bitch <laughs> but like it's basic in the sense where you know i want it when i don't feel like cooking and i know that i can trust that i'm going to be getting quality meat mostly organic vegetables like it's not made with like canola oil or any blends yeah. or anything which will definitely Everything's to. olive oil. yeah and you know it's so simple that why isn't anyone doing it? And you guys were definitely at the forefront of that. I feel like now more and more people are becoming aware of the food that they're getting at restaurants. Um, But so you were working in investment banking. Jordan was in real estate. So with a business like this, you can't exactly like do this on the side and still work full time. So did you just all of a sudden say like, hey, Jordan, like, should we just leave our jobs and start a restaurant? Like, how did that come together?
1: So it happened in stages. The first, before we even had this specific business idea, Jordan and I floated the idea of just working together um, on something. And we, we like to joke, we went on like a honeymoon together before, uh, <laughs> I
0: remember yeah, about before
1: it. I was even with my now wife, um, yeah. we went to Italy. We were in like Cinque Terre and Piemonte and Barolo, <laughs> like the most romantic places ever.
0: Where most people go on their actual honeymoon. Literally.
1: Yeah. And we're sitting Overlooking the like Mediterranean Sea, having this Handed amazing hand. dinner outside, <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's like, ah, "I really like am not happy in my job, and like there's a lot I want to do. Would you want to start a business together? And I'm like, that's a terrible idea for our friendship. I've seen with many people this like not go well. so I basically shot it down fast forward a year. He would continue to I guess be unhappy, and he wanted. Um, he wanted to do something in the food space that revolved around like super healthy, nutritious food. So I was working in banking and I was like, well, I can help you on the side because I already had my next job lined up in private equity. So I was kind of in that period where like I had a few months still working, but I could coast a little bit. So I was doing that on the side, taking a lot of, you know, sort of sketchy conference calls, <laughs> you know, at three, three o'clock. Why is Sam always in the conference room? And Then it got really serious, and I actually gave an early notice to my banking job. So I had essentially a sabbatical to focus on Springbone, knowing I'd be going into a job in a few months. So that was when we were first really getting going with Springbone. Then I went to my private equity job as planned, and that gave me a lot of skills that I now get to use. So I'm really glad I did that. And then after um, about a year and a half there, uh Springbone was had just opened and I just like felt the call that like I have to be there and this is where I want to be right now at this point in my life.
0: Oh, so you were working when Springbone opened technically?
1: Yeah. Um Springbone yeah, exactly. opened in May and I left my job in August.
0: Oh, so was it was a pretty quick and Jordan had already left his job.
1: Jordan had left his job.
0: Now when you work with him and find like to your point that you had just said before it can be a little intimidating starting a business with your best friend. And like, you know, he's a like he said, like I said, he's a brother to you. How you guys break up the like roles and responsibilities. Like, do you, has it always been like seamless where like, you know, you have your expertise, he has his, or you definitely, I feel like are more at the, like the forefront of the restaurant where you're in there. I mm-hmm. see you like a lot. And I because that's your passion for food, but right. how do you guys like divvy everything up?
1: Yeah, when we started, it wasn't really that clear cut or organized. Which every like entrepreneur advice will tell you, don't do it that way. But it worked for us. Um, we sort of naturally we have very different personalities, and we naturally divided up the roles uh, between us. So, like you said, I'm definitely more I've you know more hands on behind the counter in the restaurant, so you'll see me there more. And Jordan, especially with his real estate background, was essential in terms of finding the right location, getting it built out. And doing all the things that you don't see, like making sure our insurance policy is up to date, and we're getting the best rates, and helping when we, you know, have a like problem, like oh, the walk-in is broken, we need a new walk-in. He's all over everything behind the scenes that you don't see. So I'm usually doing things that like cust- is more customer facing. So that's sort of evolved to be how we split up the roles. But there's nothing like on paper that was never agreed upon. That was just our natural personalities sort of manifesting both. over three oh, years. Right.
0: And you guys are both, from what I see, like very easygoing. So I think that you're like, no, <laughs> I To me, you are maybe because I'm like a whack job, but I think that you both are at least like have the best intentions for one another where like you want the other one to oh, like,
1: absolutely. shine
0: through. Now, you are your first location is in Washington Square Park on West 3rd Street. What made you pick that area?
1: Honestly, as a... First time restaurateur with very little credentials behind you. You can't be picky. So we looked at a lot of spaces <laughs> and most landlords were like, no, so they thanks. You, basically. They were the first ones that said, okay. <laughs> so we're like, this will work. We'll take it.
0: And then you expanded, the, was it in the summer or in the spring to Fidei?
1: We've been open since February.
0: February. Oh my God. Oh, when is, almost when or was here then. Yeah. So how is the second location going?
1: Second location is amazing. Uh, we, you know, took everything we learned from three years of operating in Greenwich Village and took all that learning. And now I think we have sort of the perfect model that will allow us to go out and build many more spring bones.
0: Like in Hoboken? Like in
1: Hoboken. I saw there's a vacancy on the corner right here. <laughs> there
0: is. And we're, no, we're going on a little stroll after this if you have time, because I have to show you all of the spots that we potentially yeah. open Springbone. I Absolutely. act like on the third Like unsolicited business partner, but I definitely think that there is such a need for this, especially like Jordan works in Bryant Park area, and for example, he gets to order dinner every night. I pack his breakfast and lunch because I'm a lunatic, but he orders dinner, and there's like nowhere for him to order from. And when he first started this job, he sent me the I think it's like through Seamless or something that he orders from. And Jordan, you're just have to bite the bullet. Like it is what it is. Like you can get. Like, I know, like, Dig In, for example, and, like, I don't talk poorly about anyone else, but they do cook in canola oil in a blend. So you think that you're getting, you know, a home-cooked meal with Brussels sprouts, sweet potatoes, chicken, and it probably tastes good. And, it, of course, it's a healthier option than getting, like, a bacon cheeseburger with french fries from, like, Burger King. But it still isn't something, like, if you eat that five days a week, it adds up so quickly. 100%. So do you want to hopefully expand to, like, because Washington Square Park is amazing, especially it has, like, students, it has a lot of, like, local residents and Fidei will have like business, but like you think you'll go up to like Flatiron and.
1: So between you and me and your hundreds of millions of listeners. Because this
0: podcast (laughs) doesn't exist yet. So it technically is you and I.
1: I am looking at a space in Midtown right now that is starting, starting to get a little more serious. You know, like I said, you never know if these things will work out, but it's getting to the point that I'm pretty hopeful that we may be able to sign a lease in Midtown. That would be amazing. This year. So. so I
0: can harass Jordan and say, hey, can you go to Springbone and get X, Y, and Z on my exactly. way home like every single day.
1: And that, that was the original concept. It was us working in Midtown, not far yeah. from where this location is um, and just looking at that seamless corporate list and being so frustrated with what my options were. Um, so I know exactly what it's like to be in that position. So we yeah. really want to solve that problem for people.
0: No, I think that's amazing. And it's, again, just so needed. Now, when it came to opening the restaurant itself, and it's okay if like you don't want to talk too much about this, are you guys like self-funded? Are you doing this? Or do you have to get outside capital? Cause like I feel like with your background, that could come in handy.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, we we hundred percent had to raise some money. Restaurants are very capital intensive. Um, we have been, I'd say, ninety seven percent funded by family and friends, like people That's we amazing. knew before we opened, and then that remaining 3% is customers who have just come in, met us, said, I love what you guys are doing. If you ever need some capital, I'd love to invest. So it's been 100% like friends, family, and like fans.
0: That's so, awesome.
1: Um, you know, there will come a time when we have to go out to people who've never tried Springbone before and, you know, into the world of private equity and venture capital. But so far, it's still like very much a family business.
0: I love that. Now, let's talk a little bit more about bone broth, which I think some you can you can got, grab your got, bone got broth my kimchi if you broth want. right here. I know Sam actually was generous enough to bring me a couple of meals so I don't have to cook dinner later as well as some bone broth. So if you hear us like chugging and gulping in the background, that's what that is. Um, my favorite is honestly just the organic chicken broth that's just pure and so tasty and delicious. And Jordan loves the liquid gold. Um, which is his personal favorite. That has coconut milk, turmeric.
1: Coconut turmeric with the classic chicken broth as the base. Classic
0: chicken broth. Um, And actually, when I brought my mom in there, we were both feeling under the weather a few months ago and she had the chicken zoodle soup Mm -hmm. and she loved that one. Um, But anyways, back to my question, bone broth. Now, that is now like a very buzzy, trendy term where there's products infused with bone broth and there's powders with bone broth and when did you first hear of bone broth and like how did you know about it before really people were talking about it to say the least?
1: Yeah. So me and Jordan were both in like the CrossFit paleo world like 10 years ago. Um, and that was when I first did like a whole 30, did my first whole 30 like nine years ago. So
0: have you done one since?
1: I've done only one more since and that was last year. Um, oh, I but remember like, you doing that. But now like the way I eat is like 90% whole 30 every day. So I personally don't always feel the need to like do that super strict monthly diet. I prefer to have sort of use the 80 20 rule and like most of my meals be very clean and then enjoy sweets and you desserts. You like ice cream and, and pie. I like I ice remember. cream a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually making, we just went, uh, my wife and I just went apple picking and we're making apple pie tonight. So. Tonight? And that is, that's real, real apple pie with I keep
0: telling wheat flour. I want to make yeah. an actual We don't do pie. this often, and
1: I will feel disgusting for the next couple of days, but it's worth it.
0: No, but that's <laughs> going to be so good. I've never made a pie from scratch. Oh, ever. it's so fun. So fun. That's what I said. You know, I'm waiting for the day is a little bit older that he'll, like, want to, like, you know, throw flour and, like, do funny yeah. things in the kitchen. But I actually, we have a lot of leftover apples from apple picking. And I said maybe I'll make him applesauce, but I really want to make a like, pie. But anyway, sorry. Continue with
1: the bone uh, broth. So, yeah, Jordan heard about bone broth first. Um, And then
0: were there like, could you go to a store and buy bone broth at that time? Or was everyone making their own?
1: So Brodo Marco Canora's spot was, Mm -hmm. I believe the first place to be like dedicated bone broth. And I think they opened five ish years ago. This was like roughly around that time, a little bit before then. Um, But he was reading like, there's this book called nourishing broth and it's like, um, I believe the author is Sally Fallon, if I'm getting that right. It's like a, it's, she was involved with the Weston A. Price Foundation. They're like a sort of paleo nutritional, ancestral nutritional wisdom organization. Really great stuff. So he was into that book and he injured his knee. And that's how he like came across bone broth by doing research on the sort of forums and like, you know, places that he would go to read the latest research in that world which is what he does every morning. <laughs> um, so he, he came to me talking about bone broth and like incorporating that into spring bone before we even knew what spring bone was. Um, but I actually wasn't really familiar with it. Although the first thing in every cookbook is chicken stock and beef stock. That's like the first thing in every cookbook. So I had made it, I was familiar with it. I just didn't really know about all the nutritional components of like a long simmering uh bone heavy stock.
0: Can you talk a little bit more about the nutritional benefits? Yeah. And then I also want to talk about like the sustainability factor of bone broth. Because I never realized that you're like actually like most people just throw out those bones, but
1: right. So that that nose to tail aspect, the like cow is 30% bones, right? So if you're only going for the ribeye, right, you're using five percent of a cow. So it's important to use everything that includes uh organ meat, like liver is super good for you. But every single piece of the animal has its own nutritional component. And unfortunately, in our modern diet, there's a lot of problems. One of which is we've foregone the offal, which is like the liver, the kidneys, all those sort of weird, nasty bits that you know people call them, and the bones. And they have totally different nutritional properties than your traditional steak or muscle meat. Um, so we're missing that. So collagen is probably the most famous one that you'll everyone's heard about. Collagen is great for a number of things. Collagen is like the connective tissue in your body. So, your skin is made up of it. Your joints are made up of it. That's why when Jordan hurt his knee, he wanted that collagen. He wanted it direct from a real food source. There's no better way to get it than bone broth. Uh, it's also good for sealing your gut lining. So, you know, if you have any sort of uh, autoimmune issue or maybe you know taking antibiotics. You really want to protect your gut, so sealing the gut lining is super important. Uh, bone broth does that, and then it also just has a lot of vitamins, minerals that aren't found in white or dark meat chicken or a steak. Um, so you really have to go to these other parts of the animal to get them. So that was that was the original reason we're like this is super important. It's something that people aren't having. And then from my perspective, it was delicious. It was a core part of any proper kitchen. So much of the food we're using involves broth as an ingredient. Like our rice is cooked in chicken broth, right? So and that, that's how rice should be cooked. It's just more flavorful. It's more nutritious. So that, that was really um, the reason we're doing it. And then the other thing is... We were making it and we saw how labor intensive it is, how much time it takes. Have you tried to make it?
0: Did I send you the pictures of when Jordan and I, well, actually, let me phrase that. When Jordan insisted on making bone broth, I think I'd either just given birth or I was very pregnant and we had all the, no, it was after Thanksgiving of last year. So I was pregnant. Jordan insisted on making bone broth. So we had spent Thanksgiving with his family and they got like a local organic turkey. I think turkey. you did send me those photos. Yeah. yeah. I probably have them on my yeah. phone because it gives me nightmares. And he brings all the bones back, puts it on this big pot on the stove and like lets it cook for days and like made such a mess. And then like I start drinking it, and like I'm excited because I'm like, great, the the moment we've all been waiting for. Because how long does it take to make like 24, 48 hours? We cook ours
1: for 14 hours, but then that's how long it simmers like after boiling. So the whole process of Putting the bones on, straining it off is about you know a seventeen hour process. Yeah,
0: my OCD can't go to sleep and like look at like the dirty stove like the whole day. I was going crazy, and I take a sip and I'm like, this doesn't taste like spring (laughs) bone. So
1: disappointed. He was heartbroken.
0: And I'm like, we're done. We're sticking to spring bone and bonafide, and that's literally it. I can't. Um, it is labor intensive. It
1: is. So it's the kind of thing that just makes sense for a restaurant to make. Before we had restaurants, we had you know communities and tribes where a few people would cook for the collective. And now that's smart. Right. And that's how, you know, the world used to work. Like for example, in old towns there was the baker and the butcher and people would bring their loaf of bread and they would cook it in the baker's oven and then take it home. That was that was how bakeries worked for centuries. So now we've lost that, right? And we have restaurants instead, which is essentially the same concept. We're serving hundreds of people a day. Who don't have the time or exactly. skills or patience or what, whatever to cook for themselves. So, we're taking something that would be really, really inefficient for every household to do on their own. And we're doing it at a massive level. We have the biggest pots we can possibly fit in our I kitchen. I
0: was gonna say, I would love to see, I'm envisioning like a big chocolate thing, you know, where you see like in Willy Wonka, our, where they like
1: Our star- pot is about as big as like, and we have two of them at any given time that are boiling, like a chicken and a beef or two chickens. Um, it's about as big as like a four person round dining table
0: that is awesome like you definitely
1: couldn't reach your hands around it so it's very big
0: and it's made at springbone
1: yeah that's the i think the key in how we're different from a lot of you know the other ways to get broth out there if you are lucky and you live in new york where you have the opportunity we're make you're having broth that was made that day or at most the day before so it's just the freshest broth you can get it's not made in a factory it's not even made at like a commissary in Brooklyn, it's literally made in the kitchen 10 feet from where you're ordering it.
0: At next time, I, I mean, I always use the bathroom, even though you're not allowed to use it. There. Springbone <laughs> doesn't have a bathroom, but I always sneak in the back to go to the bathroom, and I've never gotten into the kitchen. So next time I'm there, I, I'll just keep going. Well, I actually, last Friday, I was at Springbone and <laughs> I had to go to the bathroom. And I looked at my friend and I'm like, I don't know anyone behind the counter, but I'm going. And I went and no one saw me go in then i came out and like i don't remember what it was a guy and he just looked at me i was like just tell sam rachel mansfield how to go to the bathroom <laughs> i'm
1: so sorry
0: and then and then i left um so now you do chicken broth beef broth and then you have a vegan yeah and then we have a now. seaweed
1: mushroom broth which is definitely not bone never broth had that. it's definitely not bone broth but it is a super nutritionally dense broth seaweed has actually a lot of the nutrients that you can't get if you're vegan. Seaweed has a lot of the nutrients you're probably missing in your diet. So it's a great option for vegans who won't have our chicken or beef bone broth, but they want those same nutrients that, you know, can be found in the broth.
0: Oh, I didn't realize that. I was wondering, I thought it was just like a flavor thing because like, you know, bone broth's a little like on the saltier side. So I'm like, seaweed's pretty salty. Right. Like, I wonder if that has to do with it. Um, so talk to me more about the menu. I heard you guys used to have this kick-ass lamb meatball bowl that you got rid of way back that in was the a day good run. it was a, good run. it was a good run it had cauliflower tabbouleh
1: she's referring to rachel's lamb and tabbouleh it was the rachel mansfield signature bowl so on spring Run's menu it was on there for like at least six months probably more
0: i think it was a year yeah
1: it was about yeah, a year you,
0: you, you let that run for a while yeah. i was, well, it was great it was a good bowl but then you graduated to lamb sausage which i actually haven't had that bowl yet
1: oh you would like it
0: yeah i feel like lamb's one of those things where i need to have it like fresh, like when it's like just, you know what you So need? what's
1: great, what's great about the lamb salt. So what's interesting about Springbone is our menu um, is really a hybrid between like a fast casual restaurant, like a Chipotle or sweet green and a full service restaurant, like a steakhouse or, you know, any great Italian restaurant. And I've worked at a full service restaurant. So I understand how it works. When you sit down, they take your order and then the order gets sent to the kitchen and then they wait they'll wait probably 15 minutes, 20 minutes to actually make your food. Because if they make it right away, your meal will only last like 30, 40 minutes. And they know you want to be there for a while. So we just don't wait. So we have some dishes that are cooked ahead, like our chili or our ropa vieja or our beans. Those things are cooked in advance and we hold them hot. So if you come in, anything that involves those will just be put hot right on your plate as soon as you order. But if you were to get our lamb, or a burger, or scrambled eggs, or fish, all of that is cooked to order exactly the same way it is in a full-service restaurant um, by cooks who most of them have two jobs and their other job is usually at like a high-end full-service restaurant. So we have great cooks. That's always like the most important job uh, in our restaurants. And that's where we like really spend the most time on hiring. Um, Anyway, so instead of waiting... 30 minutes for your fish, it comes out in six, seven minutes. And that's how long it takes to cook a fish fresh to order at a restaurant. They just wait 30 minutes until you're ready for it. So that's sort of what's unique. And I'm giving away the secret sauce to (laughs) Springbone's operations here. But I think that model works really well for us, that hybrid. And it means you're getting super fresh fish, um, the lamb, the eggs, the burger, they're all cooked to order. And we managed to still keep the wait times under, you know, in the five to 10 minute range at max and some things can be faster
0: no i've never waited for more than 10 minutes like yeah. ever and especially because i always order like a pain in the ass bowl that like is on the menu yeah. I'm like can yeah. i have xx and I have like <laughs> everything else uh rachel we don't even have that here but my favorite item still on your menu though besides the lamb meatballs is the burger and when my friends or anyone come into the city and they're like oh like where should i go for a burger like what's your favorite burger i say spring i go but you're not going to be sitting down at like a gourmet restaurant to eat this burger. Like it's not, you know, don't think that you're like, or having like, just like a weight staff, like, or anything like, but it is the best burger. Now, what is the blend of meat in that burger?
1: So the key is that it's hundred percent grass-fed meat and our beef comes from uh, Uruguay, South America, where there's like the whole country, all their cows are raised on pasture hundred percent of the time. There's no grain fed to cows there, which is exactly the opposite of how it's done in the United States, um, and that just makes for the most meaty, flavorful, delicious beef, in our opinion and your opinion too. Um, but to me, almost more importantly, it's also so much better for you.
0: Yeah, talk more about that. Like, talk about the difference between, like, say, you go to your local restaurant that has, you know, on the menu it just says burger. And nowadays, right. if like someone's serving a grass-fed beef burger, like they slut out the word grass-fed. It's all over the place. So talk about the difference between a standard burger and like a grass-fed burger. Yeah.
1: So I would love to talk for like two minutes about how cattle are raised and the difference between grass-fed, 100% grass-fed and nothing. Um, so 90, probably 99, roughly percent of cows in the United States are not 100% grass-fed. The way they their life works is they're Raised on a ranch where they eat grass for the first portion of their life, once they get bigger, they get sent to a feedlot, which is a very scary place. If you've watched any of these sort of vegan documentaries, you know what what they look like. It's sort of like a concentration camp for cows where they're in tiny stalls, they can't move, um, and they are fed a constant stream of antibiotics, corn, soy, uh, things that are not natural for their diet. Um, and what that does or is it, anyone's. anyone's diet. I would agree. It fattens them up. Um, it allows them to get sick, but the antibiotics kill the sickness. We know that that has long-term effects in our society by creating resistant strains of bacteria, which will cause massive problems for us down the road. And then critically for our nutrition, it messes up their omega-6, omega-3 profile. So the omega-3s, are really good. And we need some omega-6s, but the ratio has to be properly aligned. When you have cows that are eating grains like corn, soy, they're going to become super heavy in omega-6 and low in omega-3. That's going to cause inflammation and all sorts of chronic long-term diseases, issues in your body. That happens to be the same issue with industrial seed oils like canola oil. So we're trying to avoid that. Um, So that's the first problem. It's bad for you and me who are eating it. Uh, The second is the environment. When you're having cows that are raised in a feedlot, they don't get to walk around on pasture and essentially allow the carbon that they're spitting out with their burping and farting. It goes into the atmosphere instead of going into the ground. So if you go to a farm where you'll just see a bunch of cows walking around on pasture, they're still belching. They're still farting. The difference is because they're constantly moving on the ground, they're essentially tilling the soil, which absorbs that carbon. That's why we didn't have any problems with carbon in the atmosphere before industrialized farming. You know, a 100 years ago, this was not a problem, because cows were actually carbon um, negative. They didn't have a positive carbon footprint. So the second reason is the environment. And then the third reason, for me, super important is just the humane treatment of cows. Um, I've seen those, you know, the footage of what it's like to be in a feedlot and that to me is torture. And I wouldn't feel good about eating an animal that was tortured for the last few months of its life. So hundred percent grass fed means it's never living in that kind of concentrated feedlot where it's being fed corn, antibiotics, soy. It's just pasture raising. It's eating grass for its entire life. So that checks those three boxes. That's what we're looking for. So that's why, for us, we go to Uruguay because that's where they do it. Um, local would be great, but it's very hard to find local that also checks those three boxes, especially in the Northeast, because we don't have the the climate to grow grass twelve months out of the year. Um, especially
0: to buy like the bulk amount that I'm sure that you have to like source from.
1: Right, but like you know, if you were to go to a farmers market um, and you see someone selling 100% grass fed beef, that's great. They're probably just eating hay that was like raised in the summer and then saved in the winter and that's totally fine. What I would caution people is there is no regulation around the term grass-fed. So a cow or beef that is uh, raised for a few months on pasture can then be put in a feedlot and still be called grass-fed because for a few months it was grass-fed. The problem is you're eating it right before it's come off months of feedlot living. So you're not having the grass. That grass is long gone in its body. You're now having the corn and the soy, and you're still involved in this prop, you know, problem that's having massive ramifications for our environment. And you know, in my view, something that's not really humane treatment of the animals.
0: Is that where the term grass-finished then comes yeah. in Yeah. So if you
1: see grass-fed, grass-finished, or we just say 100% grass-fed, but yeah. either of those terms is what you're looking for.
0: And I look for that also with like lamb, like when I buy ground lamb and bison and really everything. And then now the chicken that you guys use, you do like a blend usually of like white and dark meat in the chicken. And it is like the juiciest, most flavorful roasted chicken, like besides the one that Jordan. We
1: actually switched about a year ago from white and dark blend to to dark. It's only
0: dark. Yeah, it's probably due to me.
1: I'm just I think dark tastes better.
0: It's so funny because, like, I grew up in a house where my dad is, like, it took him a while, me a, a while to teach him that he could eat an avocado and, like, not really, like, right. get fat. Um, and Your he's dad's still- ripped.
1: <laughs> I've only seen him on Instagram, but he's, like, looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger.
0: He does not look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. In the photos. The guy downs, like, three perfect bars a day. <laughs> he's, like, a, he's obsessed. But anyways, he does not eat dark meat. And it's like a running joke in my family. Cause like if you ask him, he thinks he's the most easygoing. Like he's he is very easy with eating for the most part, but he doesn't like to eat a lot of red meat. He won't eat dark meat. Like he doesn't like lamb. If my mom makes like burgers, she can't make like meatloaf the next night. Like she has to space it out a couple weeks. And I remember the first time I brought him to Springbone, he's like, I'll have all white meat. Dad, you can't first of all you can't talk like that. Second of all, like they don't, it's a mix. Like you won't know. And he won't like won't touch dark meat. So when I was growing up, I didn't even know that there was dark meat, turkey or chicken or anything. And then I like go to college and then, you know, Jordan only eats chicken thighs. He doesn't Mm -hmm. really like chicken breast. And it is so much more flavorful. And actually, yesterday I was FaceTiming with my mom and they're down in Florida right now. And every day at 530 when Ezra's nanny leaves, she's like, can we FaceTime? I want to see Ezra. And she's placing the order for Thanksgiving. She's like, yeah, I debated just ordering just a bunch of chicken breasts. I mean, turkey breasts." mom, it's Thanksgiving. Like you need the dark. Like Jordan will not come to your Thanksgiving dinner if you don't have dark meat. And I'm like, yo, grandpa likes dark meat. Like most people like it. Um, Do you have like information that you could share? On the yeah, def- no. So break my, the taboo. I think
1: our parents' generation, you know, people who grew up in 50s, 60s and 70s were there was this new wave of nutritional information that was coming out that we have since found out has, has been debunked in recent years. And it was based on a bunch of very important foundational studies that it turns out were done incorrectly and were interpreted incorrectly. The most famous of which is called the seven country study. And this was responsible for our perception of meat being bad for you, basically causing heart disease. And that's why we grew up where in the supermarket, Frosted Flakes had heart healthy logo right on front. And that was That was from the United States government, was putting their seal of approval on Frosted Flakes, meanwhile telling us not to have too many farm-raised eggs or grass-fed butter or steak. Saying those things will be bad for you. Feed your children Frosted Flakes and Cheerios. So this has thankfully been debunked, but our parents' generation is having trouble letting go because it was so... It was so heavily agreed upon by everyone at the highest levels of power. Um, I actually heard a story about how that came to be. Dwight Eisenhower, when he was president in the 50s, had a heart attack in office. And his doctor was one of those doctors involved in these studies. And he convinced him. And then everyone got in line. And that created the American Heart Association, which is the association that puts yeah. that logo on cereal boxes. Um, and it just became doctrine you couldn't question it it was the, the government was the government gives most of the funding to these kinds of studies so if you're a scientist, you need funding. Funding is everything um, in your career, and the government was funding people who said that meat is bad and whole grains are good. so if you want your study to get to get off the ground, you kind of need to get in line so it had really negative ramifications and that generation is paying the price now. Um, I don't know if you know this but Medicare, or, you know, medical care in the United States is 18% of the economy. That's makes that GDP bigger than all but four countries in the world.
0: Oh my, where you read all this? Don't even take the news. <laughs> I
1: live under a rock. Yeah, I mean it's it's disturbing and in 1900 we spent more on funerals than we did on medical care. Obviously that is not the case anymore medical care in this country is out of control, um, and we believe that changing nutrition is the most economically efficient way to fix this problem. Because you know, people talk about the deficit and the budget problems. It's because we're spending more than all but four countries' total GDP on healthcare in this country. So this um, you know misinformation from 50 years ago is a big part of that. Does that answer that's, the question?
0: Yeah, my, my head's like actually spinning right now. I so didn't realize any of it's that. It's
1: important. And, you know, New York Times two weeks ago came out. Finally, they've, they've, they had been stuck in this old way of thinking for so long. And it was so frustrating for me to read just an innocent article in the New York Times talking about how, oh, don't have too much meat. It's bad for you. And it's just that's this has been debunked. So the science that said that 50 years ago was just bad science. It was people not doing their job properly.
0: So despite being a, quote, healthy recipe developer, your girl is not a huge fan of eating salads and vegetables or pretty much anything that is not coated in some dressing with a little bit of flavor something to enhance the taste of eating vegetables, if you will. And that is where Kari Foods comes into play. I tried these products for the first time, I think like about a little over a year ago. And I was super intrigued because they are salad dressings that are 100% plant-based. They're paleo. They have no gums, no preservatives, no additives, no like icky gunk in them because a lot of dressings are just filled with you know, a bunch of ish that you really don't want to consume, which also causes most of us to get the dressing on the side at restaurants. And the flavors of dressing add so much more of a taste. But what I love about Kari Foods, though, is how versatile their products are. Okay, so you can use like the Creamy Caesar... Or, you know, a traditional Caesar salad, or you can use the Greek vinaigrette and marinate some chicken with it. You can use the creamy verde for a little taco or enchilada action. There is so much goodness that can come out of using their products. Oh, and they are also Ezra approved. If anyone is wondering, the kid is. Obsess, And it's also a good way, maybe if you're toddler or child or it's a little bit pickier when, to- when it comes to vegetables, awesome way to get them to eat their veggies a little bit more. Kari Foods is also a family owned by two sisters who are the absolute sweetest. And if you're wondering where you could snag their products, you can head on over to karifoods.com and order there. You can also find them in select specialty stores throughout Manhattan, San Diego, L.A., they are in Erewhon. For those of you living in LA, beyond jealous of that right now. And keep up to date on their Instagram at Kari Foods so you can see what other stores they are getting into soon. You can also snag 20% off your first order with the code RACHL. R-A-C-H-L. All right, now back to today's episode. Well, I also think that there's nothing like you can't make, statements like that and like speak to the masses like for example i didn't eat meat for five or six years like i would eat fish sparingly because at that point in time i couldn't even afford to really buy like wild fish and i wouldn't eat i won't eat farm-raised fish like by choice and when i didn't eat meat like i wasn't feeling well at all but that was at a time when you know being vegetarian or being vegan was like in quotes trendy like that was like what people were doing and then when i started eating meat again i didn't realize how much i felt like shit for years like i had no energy i didn't feel well and i have a lot of close friends that to this day they still don't eat meat and they're thriving like they do so well and everyone's body in that sense is like so different but from all of those things coming out saying don't eat meat don't do this then you watch those documentaries on netflix and they're not showing how grass-fed and grass-finished meat is being produced they're showing you the like everyone conjoined into like these little cages yeah
1: i mean the. You know, for listeners, I would definitely say the people to listen to, just so you hear more about what what we're talking about. uh, Doctor Peter Atia. The
0: rundown. Doctor
1: Peter Atia. He's a top clinical um, and research scientist or doctor scientist.
0: I think Uh, Jordan, my husband, actually listened or read or listens to something that. Great. Yeah, he's he's
1: a genius um, and is really just like on the front lines of the latest research. Gary Taubes has written some good books about this. Uh, good book on sort of debunking and explaining how, like I was talking about with that's the seven seven country study in the fifties, how that came to be and how it had such a massive influence on how we think about nutrition today, um, and why it was wrong. And like it was people who made those mistakes, but you know eventually it becomes institutionalized, and that's why it's so it's such a difficult thing to break down now and. People are working on it, but it's going to take time. So those are, those are two great people. I would go out there and read, and um, Mark Hyman, Chris Kresser, other people with podcasts who you can listen to, who uh, really understand this stuff. But I, you know, it's very important to. There are just certain nutrients you can't get if you're vegan or if you avoid fats.
0: What do you fat? I feel like I would just die. Yeah. For lack of a better way. Like I, w-
1: I mean, they're essential, and carbs are essential too. Um, But having a restrictive diet that takes things out of our diet that have been in our diet for millions of years is going to have problems. Um, And, you know, I'm sure most people who are vegan take supplements. Like if you're missing vitamin B12, you can go to Whole Foods, you can buy that supplement. But I would much rather have it in whole food form by having a cup of bone broth. I think your body will absorb it better. um, And it's probably cheaper and tastier too.
0: Well, it's also you're getting it from the actual source, which I feel like is like people think it's the opposite when they're taking p 12 like they're just getting it directly. But I think it's so much better to get everything via food.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of debate if if these supplements are bioavailable. So, like, are you just gonna? Is it gonna run right through your digestive tract? Um, because, for example, some things are fat soluble, and you need to have the fat together with that vitamin for your body to absorb it. And nature figured this all out very elegantly. So, if you have you know, if you're eating a cow, the vitamin that the fat that is required to absorb the vitamin are right next to each other. So it sort of takes that uh, guesswork out of it. But if you're going to start eliminating things from your diet, it gets very complicated. And we've had so many customers who came to us because they had specific nutritional ailments and having like a regimen that has often been doctor prescribed of having bone broth every day or X amount per week they've come back and they've said wow my iron levels which have been a problem for 20 years for the first time are like great um so you know those kinds of stories are that's why we got into business and it keeps us going
0: no it's awesome certain things that i have in my everyday like diet which are bone broth dark chocolate which definitely doesn't have the same like nutritional value but it makes me like mentally so happy um bone broth dark chocolate Dark apple. chocolate has a
1: lot of nutritional benefits
0: it does but like you just the, don't want to have too much in sugar the amount it. that yeah i mean the amount that i eat of like cashew butter filled dark chocolate mm-hmm. like it definitely you know yeah it adds up but so i want to talk a little bit more about the menu so you've completely wowed me in the sense of how much information you know. I remember beforehand telling you, I want you to explain like some X, Y, and Z in my head. It's like, I can't wait to re-listen to this to like really absorb what you just said, because I think that's going to be so helpful.
1: I am definitely not an expert. This is stuff that I've learned. um, Jordan, my partner, is is an amateur level expert, but I've learned just from other people. So this is all secondhand knowledge. I'm not on the forefront of any of this, but those people who I mentioned a few minutes ago are real experts. So I would suggest... Listen to them, read their books. It's a very compelling argument, and it all is grounded in just common sense.
0: No, oh, I love that, and I think everyone will be very appreciative for hearing that. Um, when it comes to the menu, I want to get like some of the fun things. Who creates all of the menu items? So you have a chef that you work with, and I think I met him.
1: So yeah, our menu has been touched by so many people. It's definitely there's no single person we can say made the springbone menu. And, I think that gets back to the fact that we are not some like fancy molecular gastronomy restaurant like I hate that stuff. I mean it's it can be fun once in a while but like yeah. for the food that we're trying to serve which is basically home cooked food, it's not complicated. It's all very simple food. It's just about taking good quality ingredients and cooking them fresh and presenting them that way and that tastes delicious on its own. So like we don't make complicated sauces, we don't have complicated uh, cooking processes or techniques. Everything we're doing in our kitchen is the stuff you, or, uh, you and I would do at home if we had the time.
0: I think that's why I love it so much because we went out to dinner for my mother-in-law's 60th birthday a few weeks ago. And the place is actually right by Springbone. And it's a top rated restaurant in Manhattan. And we get there and like, I wasn't feeling well like earlier that day. And we got to dinner and you know, you're know you sort of this like beautiful food and it's a very, very expensive like dinner, et cetera. And in my head, I'm literally saying there, being like, I wish that this was like a spring bone bowl. Like, I don't need something that has like gourmet everything and this like sauce I've never heard of. Like, I want basics and I yeah. want something that's simple. And that's what makes my body like actually feel good. Um, but when it comes to like all the different men, like some of them, like, for example, the Mexican, it's mm-hmm. called the Mexican bowl. And so that's almost like your take on like Chipotle.
1: Yeah. So Chipotle was one of my favorite like workplace lunches but I knew what they were cooking in corn oil. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to have it. So I said, if we could just make this super clean. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's such a simple thing. It's our Spanish rice, which is Jasmine rice cooked with chicken broth. So we have a, a supercharged nutrient wise and flavor wise rice. We have black beans, which are cooked with bay leaves and spices and herbs. That's where that's where the chefing comes in, right? If you just cook beans and water, they're not going to taste that good. So we yeah. just use fresh herbs and spices. Um, and then chicken is just roasted. There's literally, it's, it's marinated before in a mixture of olive oil and lemon juice and some spices and herbs, but there's nothing, there's no like fancy preparation. We just put it in the oven the same way you would at home. Um, an hour later, it's good to go. And then we put pico de gallo. Guacamole and salsa verde on top.
0: That was one of the bowls I ordered today.
1: I think you have no. a ropa vieja. Oh, and a the
0: grandma's chicken. And a and grandma's, grandma's chicken rice. And I, I and rice. my mind.
1: Yeah, the ropa vieja and our chili bowl and our spaghetti ragu. Those are a few of the more special recipes that are like, for example, the chili bowl was actually one of our old cook's grandmother's recipes.
0: That's adorable. Yeah,
1: and it's the I love chili. It's yeah. the best chili I've ever had in my life. I'm really serious, and so you know, it's all. But it's all home cook style stuff. It's like not. You complicated. had the Mexican
0: bowl. That's why. I, that's why it was fresh in my head. You said you had it on the way here. Okay, I'm not going totally crazy.
1: But like, I love when we present a bowl to like a family sitting at our table, and then someone says like, "Oh, we can make that." I'm like, yeah, "Yes, exactly. exactly." We want this to be recognizable as simple. You know, wholesome food that you would make at home. That's exactly our model. and if you want to go cook that at home, you could easily replicate it. We just don't believe that people in New York City have the time, space, or wherewithal to do it. Um, but we don't have a true executive chef. Um, Abdul is sort of our director of Ops and is the one who's like leading the charge in all our recipes but it doesn't, we don't need, he didn't go to culinary school. We don't need a culinary school grad in our kitchen. We have skilled, experienced line cooks with decades of experience who can cook a perfect piece of fish, perfect burger, perfect eggs, right? And execute recipes. But at the end of the day, if you were an experienced home cook, you could do the job too. Um, It's just, we just scale up a little bit instead of cooking half a sheet tray of vegetables. We're cooking like five sheet trays.
0: No, which is amazing. And you guys also, the, for those of you who don't know, the entire menu is gluten-free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And you have some things with dairy, like a goat cheese, aioli.
1: Yeah, so our whole menu is gluten-free. And then pretty much every other diet is very easily um, accommodated by our menu. So the amount of things that are dairy can be counted on one hand and they can all easily be removed from any dish. They're not like integral to any dish. Like for example, the goat cheese aioli is on the lambole, but if you don't want that, we have a vegan dressing that's very similar that you could put instead. And then our eggs are cooked in butter, but if you want, we can cook them in olive oil.
0: I've never had your eggs, and I remember Jordan, like he, not my husband, like your your bestie, always saying that the eggs are so good and that they're soft scrambled mm-hmm. and like they're not as like hard as you get them in yeah. like a standard place. And I always forget that you serve breakfast all day. Yeah. And I never get that, which is also unique because some one of my favorite types of food to order out is, I mean, it sounds like really basic, but avocado toast with like an egg on top. Yeah. And it's awesome that you guys like do offer that. Are there any, like how often do you change the menu? Do you have any we new change, things coming
1: out? We change about twice a year. So we do like a fall, winter and a spring, summer menu. So our new menu is coming out in a couple of weeks.
0: Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. Well, by the time this comes out, your new menu will be out. then.
1: Yeah, right. so I guess I can tell people what's on it. We have a new wild fish, um, Maine Pollock, which oh, is cool. um, amazing. It's going to be so is good. Is it a
0: white like flaky white fish? Yeah, it's, it's fish? like a white flaky
1: fish, okay. exactly. It kind of has like a nice meaty bite. It's not fishy at all. It's so good. And
0: what's um, that being uh, prepared
1: for? That? So the bowl that it's going to be on is... Probably the last thing we're still tweaking. We're trying to find like the right sauce to put on it and the right vegetables to pair it with, but it's just going to be some roasted vegetables with a fish, with a sauce, nothing too complicated. It's really good on the Mexican bowl though. The pico de gallo and salsa verde go really well. Almost
0: like a deconstructed like Mm -hmm. fish taco, I guess you could say. Yeah. And then anything else?
1: The chili bowl that I mentioned is coming back. um, And then in financial district, we're bringing steak onto the menu, which I'm very excited about. Grilled steak.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Like a skirt steak. What kind of steak?
1: It's a cut that's very similar to a skirt steak. Yeah. So hundred percent grass fed. And whereas, you know, steak at a restaurant usually starts at like 30, 40, $50. Yeah. We're going to be pricing it closer to 15. So I'm very excited about that. That's
0: another thing that's awesome about you guys is that you're very reasonably priced for like what you're getting and you know, I feel like people are more willing to pay a couple extra dollars if, like, they know they're getting something that's quality. But I never feel like your prices are like outrageous.
1: Where right? you're like, we are very sensitive about scaring people away from healthy food because not everyone spends as much time thinking about this as we do, and it's important that people's perceptions of food change and that they understand you need to spend some money on food upfront to avoid those costs on health care mm-hmm. down the line, but. Um, that said, we don't want to alienate anyone and we want people to see that we can go head to head with all our fast, casual, quick service competitors. And when they get that bowl, even if they know nothing about the nutrition, they'll see the value just in terms of the portion, flavor and price.
0: Now, which is awesome. That's something I'm very like cognizant of when it comes to even like brands that I partner with. Like I never want someone to think that they have to spend a ginormous amount of money or sorry, an outrageous amount of money in order to eat something that's like healthy and wholesome and nutritious for them. Yeah. Now, don't kill me for asking. And then we're going to asking this, but and then we're going to get to some fun, like fireballish questions. But do you think that once you guys have your foot on the ground in this area that you're going to expand to other parts of the country?
1: Definitely. We're already looking at other cities. So, I mean, you know, I, I quit my job, um, in finance, which was a lot more lucrative than this for a reason. And One was to have an impact and do something that I felt was meaningful. You only have one life. And I wanted to make sure I did something that I could feel really great about and that I knew made a difference. But at the same time, you know, I am ambitious and we have big ambitions for what Springbone will become. So. Many more restaurants coming in the future.
0: Great. Hoboken coming next. Um, yep. Number three. <laughs> and do you think that you'll ever take your broth and like distribute it into grocery stores or retailers or that? I know that's opening it's opening a whole not, can of worms. It's more.
1: not something we're really focusing on right now. Never say never. Um, but it's just so much better when it's fresh. Yeah. You have, when you have broth that was literally just made, it tastes so much better. So if anyone hasn't tried a broth, I always encourage them to compare it side to side with any other broth out there i think ours blows it out of the water just because of that freshness and the fact that it's made by people in relatively small batches compared to your like mass-produced broth
0: no it's very true um now for a few fun questions the first one is what is one wellnessy trend like that you have fallen into like a trap for example, like if you were drinking like celery juice because you kept hearing like buzz about it, like what is your wellnessy trend you uh, were learning to?
1: So from a positive standpoint, yeah. um, yoga has been one for me. Oh, I like that. I think if yoga didn't get the sort of trendiness around it, it, a certain hurdle. How many times you need to hear about something before you're willing to go try it? And I'm very glad I got over that hurdle with yoga. Um, I just think it's such an incredible. Thing for at least my body, I've done a lot of sort of intense fitness things, like I've done marathons and Ironmans and like weightlifting stuff. So, all of that makes my muscles really like tight. Like, my hamstrings are crazy tight from just years of cycling and squatting with like heavy weight. So, yoga does the exact opposite and it's so challenging. And you not only do you feel the benefits immediately in the short term, you feel them. The next day you feel in the next year, but also while you're doing it, it's like just a Zen meditation, like experience that I think has profound physical and psychological effects. Do you go
0: with your wife? Does she do yoga too? She does
1: yoga separately. We've, I don't think we may have one time been in a class together and we always joke like she kind of talks a big game that she's really good at yoga. (laughs) And now I think she's afraid to do it with me because she realizes that she's like talked it up a little too much.
0: Jordan goes every week too. I haven't done yoga since before as or before I was pregnant. As soon as I got pregnant, I started get really, getting really sick while doing it. And then since then, I've just been a little hands off of it. Um, you see some of the like, fighting too, right? Like yeah. martial arts
1: or something? Yeah. Well, I actually I trained at a gym, at a martial arts gym, but I didn't do the martial arts. I just got it. They, okay. It was sort of like a gym that was split. Most of it was martial arts, but they had like a dedicated uh, sort of fitness course for their fighters. And it all relied around kettlebells. So wow. it's a full body workout every time, one hour with kettlebells. So you're going to do kettlebell swings, kettlebell squats, deadlifts, presses, everything you can possibly do. And it was such an amazing full body workout. But I just moved uptown. So I sadly, yeah. sadly had to leave that gym, but it's a great place. Five Points Academy. Five
0: Points Academy. Definitely points. recommend And where it. do you go for
1: yoga? Yoga Vita downtown. Oh, I've heard good things about is that. It's great. Moto yoga is amazing in Greenwich Village, West Village.
0: Super close to Springbone.
1: Super close. Um, those are probably my two favorites. Yeah.
0: Awesome. And then what is one wellness trend that's a pet peeve of
1: yours? One that I don't like.
0: Yeah. When you see people post about it or hear about it, you're like, can you please stop talking? <laughs> you can give <laughs> us like top three if you want.
1: Let's see. I think people are sort of disguising. So like what we're doing at Springbone is all about non-processed food, right? Everything is exactly as you would do in your kitchen. We don't even have the ability to make anything remotely processed. What bothers me is when people are using the wellness and like healthy angle around something that is actually just a disguised but very processed product. Um, So... I don't have one single brand to pinpoint or what I want to call one out, but yeah. I think, you know, it's important to look at a label and not just see the ingredients, but also see the process. So I think for me, I'm always thinking, could I make this myself theoretically if I could and I just don't want to, I would love to buy that. Yeah. So like, I know you're a big fan of food chocolate. That's like a perfect example. I would love to make chocolate. But yeah. like, I'm not doing that, right? So if I understand how someone's making their chocolate, I'm like, this has ingredients I like, it's low in okay. sugar, it's a dark chocolate. So I buy dark chocolate all the time because that's not a super processed thing. But if something is getting like really processed and I couldn't even imagine how to make it at home, I probably would stay away from that.
0: Makes sense. Remind me of a product I want to tell you about after this um, called Monty's that I think we need to add to the menu. It's cultured cashew cream cheese. It's like a healthier... I shouldn't say Heather, it's a cleaner take on Kite Hill, mm. like no gums or fillers or anything, right, right. but like, it'd be really good for like a non-dairy alternative or some things. Okay. So I'll actually, I'll give you some too. Cause I have some, my next question, if you weren't, and technically you've had two different career paths at this mm. point, but if you weren't doing either of those, what would you want to be doing? Um, I have a guess.
1: You have a guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm a big, like outdoorsy person. So I definitely have aspirations of like, going out into the country. So if I could like find a way to sort of get back to the earth, whether it's as a farmer or oh a rancher, God, you, you know, yeah, it's obvious. <laughs> like,
0: you would like want a big farm with all these animals. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I don't think I want to be like, I'm, I'm going to give a shout out to, in my opinion, the best farm out there, uh, Essex farm okay. in upstate New York. Anyone who lives in New York city can join their CSA. And it's basically, it's an amazing place is husband and wife team and they basically do they're a fully diverse diversified farm totally seasonal beyond organic like it's easy to be organic but still be like very chemically they're none of that everything is as like natural and like proper with the environment as it could be and they once a week drop off an all you can eat box of just fresh seasonal foods directly from their farm it's as if you know you live near the farm and you just went to their farmhouse and like picked out the stuff from that impressive. week they drop it off and i think it's like 135 a week per person which isn't cheap but in my opinion well worth it the only reason i'm not on it is cuz i have unlimited all you can eat food from spring on, yeah, so be a lot of free to have but for people who like cook a lot i think it's a no brainer and they also have really good pricing for kids
0: That's i think awesome. under
1: 5 is free
0: Really? That's yeah. good to know. See, I'm not ballsy enough to do stuff like that because I'm so like, I want this vegetable and this vegetable and this vegetable and you don't know, you don't have the so, control. No,
1: they, they have like an order form,
0: but oh you, my you're God. ordering only
1: from what's seasonal and yeah, available. Yeah, that's fine. But like if you said, and they don't charge you per thing, you just pay a flat rate and you get all you can eat. So if you're like this oh, week, I'm this. just really craving meat. Be like, I just want meat. I don't even want your vegetables. Just give me all this meat and you say what you want. They'll do eggs. They'll do dairy. They'll do beef, pork, lamb, chicken, all like 50 different vegetables and fruit. And they do grains. They do sauerkraut. Do I mean, like just, wow. Oh wait,
0: it's all that for that. OK, no, I'm definitely going to looking it, into that.
1: Their whole like model is they want you to eat with like bounty. They want you to eat the way a farmer eats. Like mm-hmm. just take anything. Yeah. Once you're a member, you're like part of their family. And that's beautiful. So I'm, I'm reading um, their book right now. It just came out this week. Uh, I think it's called good husbandry by Kristen Kimball and her husband is Mark Kimball and they're the owners. It's a very cool place. Um, so I don't know if I'd want to do that. That's like a really intense job being a large scale farmer. But if I just got to like, really like I have simple tastes, so I would be down to like be a subsistence farmer rancher and just like have a couple sheep, grow some veggies, have my farm make
0: pie on the weekend make
1: pie Right.
0: (laughs) when you were growing up what was your go-to fast food order and at what chain
1: oh i ate so badly but i so i grew up keeping kosher so i didn't go to any fast food chains growing up oh my gosh i never knew that i've actually still not had like any of them because by the time i started dabbling with non-kosher i was like i don't want that i was already a food snob
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Like like I broke kosher with like really good restaurants in New York City, like Balthazar. I was like, I'll have the steak frites from Balthazar. I wasn't going for the McDonald's cheeseburger. Total food snob.
0: Oh, my gosh. Okay.
1: I've still not had any of that stuff. But what I did have like crazy was penne and Rayo's marinara sauce every single night for dinner.
0: That's not like remotely
1: bad. No, it's not that bad. But the amount of penne I had was bad. And wait, oh, yeah. I would polish it off with Turkey Hill cookie dough.
0: That's what we, okay. That's what good. are those
1: signed? Like it's a double court, like or, court something? or something. Is yeah. it a court? It looks bigger than a court, but the big one, the biggest one they sell, would I would have one every two days. What?
0: You really my like self. ice cream?
1: What flavor cookie dough? Cookie dough.
0: That was uh, my brother's go-to. I don't like vanilla ice cream. So I used to like pick the cookie dough out of all of his mm-hmm. ice cream and he'd be like, where's the cookie dough? Um, I can't even have fast food. That's wild. And then the last question is, it's your last day on earth. What are you eating from breakfast through till dessert? Mm. So three meals, a snack if you want, and dessert.
1: So breakfast will be probably very simple. I don't want to fill up too much. I'll probably just have two scrambled eggs, maybe fried, cooked in butter, maybe like a little piece of breakfast sausage, just like one link. Maybe our lamb sausage so from Springbone okay. with like a tiny sliver of sourdough. Because again, I can't get too full. This Dude, is my last dinner. Dinner. Just
0: take your pants off. You're fine. Don't I need to enjoy it. dinner. Okay. All right.
1: And then a little bit of kimchi, butter on the toast. So that's breakfast.
0: Oh, I like the kimchi, butter, toast combo. That sounds really good. It's very
1: good. Make a little sandwich out yeah. of it. Lunch. I'm not, I usually like kind of skip lunch. Really? I think I might.
0: Your last fan. come on.
1: Okay. Lunch. Hey, oh, ryeos. no, no, no. <laughs> lunch. Lunch. I would go to pastrami queen on 77th and Lex and I would have a pastrami sandwich, but I'd only have half because the full one is way oh, too goodness. big and that would ruin dinner.
0: You put mustard on it?
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Pastrami on rye with mustard. That's, I, I say that because I thought it was assumed.
0: Well, you know, some people might
1: not be Jewish, so we don't know. Pastrami (laughs) on rye with mustard, um, but only of half. And then for dinner, I would cook myself and I would probably get a whole lamb on a spit. And I would do like a fire where we're just grilling it all day over a fire. And then I would have the entire lamb with my hands, share it with some friends. And that would be dinner.
0: You would eat the entire lamb? Well, we would, lamb we would all much. go
1: at it. We would all go at it.
0: I love it. And what's for dessert?
1: And then I would have Petey's Pie Slice Cream for dessert. Petey's Pie is a New York City-based pie shop. Uh, their original location is on Delancey and Allen. I would We're get there one slice of salted chocolate chess with, with vanilla ice cream. That sounds and insane. And one slice of sour cherry with vanilla ice cream.
0: Sour cherry. I never had yeah. sour cherry.
1: When you're having pie, you want something tart. Like apple pie has a good name and everything, but it's actually not the best pie because apples aren't super tart or like strawberry pie. Terrible. Cause it's not tart at all. You need a tart fruit to balance out the sweetness and creaminess of the butter and stuff.
0: I think that's why I don't really like pie though, besides apple. Cause I don't like tarty things. That actually makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. A you. good pie has to be. Yeah. Tart.
0: That's probably why I don't like it. Like I like pumpkin pie which like isn't yeah, technically all in that category thing, yeah. that's awesome well thank you yeah. for uh, sharing that with us yeah. well sam thank you so much for coming all the way here to hoboken i can't wait to go find the new springbone location here after this and tell everyone where they could find you and where they can come and eat some of your delicious food
1: yeah so of course you can uh, follow along at springbone on instagram or you and can you
0: still manage that right
1: I do. I just, uh, got someone to help me with it who works for us. Not
0: awesome. She works
1: in, in the store. Uh, so you yeah. can meet her at the store Madison, but she's doing a great job. She has all the skill sets I don't have. Like, I don't know how to make like pretty fonts and stuff. She's really good <laughs> at that. If you look at our Instagram now versus like a couple months ago, you'd be like, wow, he has much better handwriting now. Um, so she has all the tips and makes really great content, but I still am doing about half of it. And yeah, so I got, got my fingerprint on it. And then, yeah, come to the store, 90 West 3rd in Greenwich Village, which is up between Sullivan and Thompson, or uh, 74 Pearl Street in the Financial District.
0: Do you hear Ezra's nanny? Wait, Ezra just woke up and she's yelling in the background. So I'll make sure everyone knows where to get boat in the beginning of this. Um, one day I'll be in a studio, but until then... Well, thank you guys so much for listening. When you come to New York, please come eat at Springbone. There's a very likely chance that I will be there as well. All right. Talk to you guys soon.